listening to Wide the Truck. Happy Monday and welcome to What the Truck. I'm Dooner here with the dude, Michael Vincent. Hey, welcome everybody from beautiful downtown Chattanooga, the heart of Freight Alley, Michael. <laughs> How think, are you, man? Do you think Freight Alley would make a good location for a, uh, a presidential press conference with your lawyer? Yeah, maybe in front of the Family Dollar store. <laughs> you back out. Down here somewhere. So I got to pull you. Do, you. do you think, so there's been a lot of theories going around about this okay. uh, Four All Seasons right. debacle. Do you think that it was like a staffer who was, who was Googling Four Seasons and they ended up booking it and then they had to go through with it because there was no time left to pivot? Or, or what's your theory? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe the, ho- the real Four Seasons turned them down? Maybe. <laughs> or the fan- Fantasy Island next door turned I mean, them down. It's next to a crematorium and uh, an adult store. Yeah. So you've you've got uh, maybe yeah. a good deal. Yeah. I, maybe maybe low rent district. I, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm certain of is arrogance had something to do with it. Maybe. I mean, what what <laughs> a weird uh, just a yet another weird occurrence in what's yeah. already been a very very. Yeah. Weird year, but hey, this morning we all woke up. We all woke up, everyone around the world, to this great clinical trial. I think it was a like phase three trial yeah. of, of Pfizer. They uh, they might have a corona vaccine. We're going to talk to Lorianne LaRocca in just a little bit about what that means, what that means for freight. We'll do a logistics spin on it. We've got a good 20 minutes with her to really dive deep on uh, what that means, what that means for all of us. Yeah, you're going to want to tune in for that and stick around for that because uh, Lorianne is excellent and has great insight. It's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of moving parts there to talk about. A lot of numbers to go through. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. And we got you guys up on the uh, comments section here online, so leave your comments. Be interactive with us, especially about this vaccine. You have any questions or commentary, throw it in there. But first, hey, let's tip the band, right? On mm-hmm. the road and off of it, the Axle Fuel Card has got your back. Get the credit you need to keep your fleet trucking, plus loyalty points and rewards are waiting at that rest stop or that next stop. Get approved at AxleFuelCard.com. Subject to credit approval. Terms and conditions may apply. Don't they always? They do. All right, Go there right some, after the show. Let's get to some headline. Boom, bam, boom, bam. Right now. <laughs> what is this? Okay, exclusive. These are all on FreightWaves.com, by the way. USPS and Ship Matrix signed parcel capacity assurance deal. We've covered this a bit. You know, are your packages yeah. going to arrive late? Do you need mm-hmm. to do your shopping now? That's Actually, right. I have done a lot of my Christmas shopping now. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've planned it. Yeah. I've got my strategy out. <laughs> so not, not Christmas Eve this year? No, never. It's never Christmas Eve, but it, 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 it takes me a while to plan and get everything straightened out. So I, I've be been good. in that sad group of, of men in the long line at Target on Christmas Eve before. No, I, I, I've done the Black Friday thing, but at the, uh, at the behest of my wife. So Well, here's some good news. Mark Solomon, right? He reports yeah. that the, the USPS has reached an agreement with transport consultancy Ship Matrix to provide high-volume parcel shippers with badly needed delivery capacity heading into the space-constrained speed the space-constrained holiday peak season <laughs> shipping cycle. Easy for you to say, my yeah. friend. <laughs> so under this initiative, the uh, Warndale, Pennsylvania-based uh, ship matrix will basically, uh, they're going to open up uh, and connect its universe of large shippers and third-party logistics companies or providers to USPS's uh, vast transportation infrastructure. And nice. the effort is to assure there's capacity there for all the parcels during the, pre- the peak season. The, po- the program called Ship Matrix First Class Parcel Service will be available 
sold to e-commerce shippers using USPS's door-to-door delivery products such as first-class parcel service and priority mail. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's what's going to be going on there. And USPS manages the entire delivery process for both of those products. You know, uh, Santish Jindeli is the founder and CEO of ShipMatrix. He shed okay. a little bit of light on what their what their uh, what their logic is behind this. And he was talking about how parcel deliveries, pieces that weigh less than five pounds, are what they what they want, what they're going to be moving, right? Okay. And he was talking about how for USPS parcels that are over five pounds, they USPS shouldn't even be accepting that that freight anymore, as it's yeah. really not profitable by for them. Yet other retailers are, are using them to leverage their network to take advantage of the fact that it isn't profitable to do it through other integrators. Oh, is that what's going on? A little bit. I got it. So the problem, but yeah, the program includes money back guarantees. Yes. So there's money back guarantees on all packages that are not delivered within uh, five days, I believe it is. Yeah, five days. Uh, and ShipMatrix will audit all deliveries and automatically issue refunds to shippers in the event of service failures. So private carriers like FedEx and, and UPS suspend their money. They suspended their money back guarantees uh, earlier this year after the COVID-19 pandemic and what went on there. Uh, and, and, you know, that sent delivery demand surging and through. Uh, carrier networks out of a kitter, you know, <laughs> out of kilter uh, during COVID nineteen. So we'll see what happens during peak season. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, so I would still, I would still get ahead of it. I would still get your holiday yeah. orders in in early. Sure. We, uh, we just did Freightwaves Live at Home. One of mm-hmm. my favorite moments from there was our Q&A session that we had with Hylion CEO and, and founder Thomas Healy. We actually asked him this question. We said, you know what? And this was, uh, this was on Thursday, I believe, right? Before yes. the ballots had finished been counting, nothing had been called yet. And uh, we said, you know, does, does it matter to you if Trump wins or if Biden wins? We know that Biden has talked extensively about his infrastructure plan, which includes EVs. So we went out and we talked to a bunch of other leaders within this segment. And for the record, Thomas Healy said, uh, what matters more is basically them knowing which direction to go in yeah. and, and what environment. He thinks that they could thrive within both. I'm not sure if that was a political and judicious answer, <laughs> but it, it may have been. But here's what uh, our own Linda Baker found out when she looked into this. She was looking, uh, she spoke to a few investors and analysts in the mobility mm-hmm. and freight tech space, as well as CEOs of a couple autonomous trucking and delivery companies about what they expect from Biden presidency. Uh, here are a few of the takeaways. One of them is she thinks we're going to see, and they think we're going to see more electrification. Electric vehicle uptick in the United States has been tied to a strong pollution reduction mandates and purchasing incentives found in Europe and Asia. Said Riley Brennan, he's a partner at Trucks VC. Here's a quote. He says, and a Biden administration likely moves some of our policies closer to what we see in other parts of the world. So normalizing some of those regulations, that would make the operating environment a little bit easier. He said among the incentives Brennan sees coming down the pike is an EV for clunk Remember cash for clunkers? Oh yeah, in uh, like 2003, 2004ish. Yeah, he's predicting that that that's, that scheme is going to come back. Maybe even he he predicts as soon as next year, promoting and supporting people who turn in their vehicles for zero emission cars and trucks. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I do remember that stuff. So, I, and the other thing is, you're going to most likely we'll see, uh, you know, more emissions regulations, right? So, you know, Biden will he'll inevitably restore, you would think, strict fuel efficiency and greenhouse emission standards that were rolled back under the uh, Trump administration. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so the EPA under Trump rolled back the Obama era standard, imposed more stringent that had imposed more stringent fuel efficiency standards for cars and trucks, and the Trump administration also sought to revoke California's waiver that. Uh, allowed, you know, 
allowing the state to set its own greenhouse initiatives uh, and, re and emission standards. So uh, other things to watch out for uh, would be federal tax credits for EVs, uh, an incentive that drove uh, consumer purchasing before, and current federal policy dictates that incentives for purchasing EVs runs out once the automaker hits 200,000 units. So we would see that type of thing kind of roll back. You know, a big concern that we sometimes hear from drivers, and, and we try to stress it's a little bit unfounded that autonomous vehicles are going to be taking your jobs anytime soon. But mm -hmm. in terms of autonomous vehicles, a lot of these leaders are actually seeing Biden as uh, a hurdle, a bit of a barrier in the way, because Trump was trying to bring down regulations on autonomous vehicles, making yeah. the, the regulatory environment quite a bit easier, where uh, th they believe here the Democrats are the ones who are going to make it. It's actually Sean Kerrigan, CEO and co-founder at Plus, who was also at Freightwaves Live at Home. He had a great session there, but you can, uh, he was, he's from the Autonomous Trucking and Technology Company. He said, working together to safely bring automated trucks to market is good for everyone, given that automated trucks will create societal and economic benefits of increased safety, improved fuel efficiency and reduce carbon emissions. He said he welcomes a strong and clear focused regulatory at the local, state, and federal levels that are necessary to provide the industry and consumers the confidence needed to roll out this transformative technology. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. But also, it's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting how, depending on the administration, you get the give and the take on both sides. So yeah. But, but in, in terms of regulatory environment, if you are uh, worried about autonomous trucks, it could be a win for you. Yeah, it absolutely could, and I and I think that Sean Kerrigan, his statement here is is pre, is 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 really well taken because if there's clear and uh, regulation, you can deal with that, right? Like yeah. like Thomas Healy said, as long as we've got a clear direction, we're in good shape. And if it's a clear direction and it goes uh, moves forward, it also uh, and brings about good safety. It also uh, produces a lot of confidence in the consumer and the general public, which will help things move a little bit stronger as well. Yeah, of course, and that's a, that's a great point. You're definitely going to need to sell, sell the public yeah. on the safety of these vehicles. Absolutely. Hey, should we go to our first guest? I think we should. It's Adam Sellers. He's Risk Control Specialist at Travelers. Adam, thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah. Hey, good good to have you. Where are we, uh, where are we reaching out to you from? I am calling from uh, beautiful St. Louis, Missouri, where it's 75 degrees and sunshiny. Ooh, nice, nice, Excellent fall, nice stuff. warmer fall. So yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about we're going to talk a little bit about insurance with you. So what role does risk control play with uh, transportation insurance? All right. So the, uh, the the basic function of risk control is, is to help our customers uh, and to help them manage their risk. And, and we do this by providing really innovative and cost effective solutions. So our team is made up of industry professionals and risk management specialists from across the country. And for more than a century now, we've been supporting our transportation customers from, you know, the small carriers to the national large fleets. And we understand the, the nuances of trucking and the transportation industry in general, and also the regulatory environment and, and how risk management can really enhance the profitability of our customers. So we also help by providing you know, value-added services like evaluation and consultation for risk management issues for customers with warehouses or freight forwarding operations, and also for like freight brokers and for those operations that have you know uh, terminal locations. So when we sit down with a customer, we meet with uh, you know different levels of management to review the safety programs and policies, some of the unique exposures that may exist and also touching on the, the regulatory considerations that are most meaningful to them. And of course, this process has been a little bit different since COVID. You know, the way we do that is, is, is changed a little bit, but we're having a lot of success in a virtual environment. 
But um, you know, based on the collaboration with our customer, whether it's on site or, or through the phone, you know, we're sharing our specific solutions and best practices to reduce risk, and we're bringing to light some of the emerging issues and trends that we're seeing too. You know, this can include you know best practices for securing loads or for strengthening vehicle maintenance protocols and addressing some of the unique challenges associated with the driver shortage. And along with that, you know, making sure that the procedures remain in place for hiring qualified drivers. And to help our customers implement their risk objectives, you know, we provide, you know, exclusive training materials that can be very meaningful um, to both new and seasoned drivers. So the content includes, you know, plug and play type online resources um, and also items that can be customized. So we also have an incredibly robust online resource within our risk control website that includes quizzes and checklists and interactive online training and a fleet-focused self-assessment that highlights some areas that can really um, have a positive impact at a program level for our customers. Excellent stuff, Adam. Thank you so much. Um, I'm interested, what are some of the most frequent causes of loss? Well, we found that, you know, collisions are, are, are really the most common cause of loss in the industry. Uh, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. So, you know, two important factors that, that we're focusing on that are contributing to those collisions are distracted driving and driver fatigue. So, you know, earlier this year, uh, a poll was conducted by travelers, and we found that uh, over 60% of the transportation businesses that we surveyed had uh, disciplined their employees for distracted driving. So this really kind of highlights um, the importance within the industry. So, you know, while there, there is no silver bullet to, to eliminate this risk altogether, there are a number of best practices that our customers are using to address the problem. And that includes, you know, better engagement uh, with drivers, you know, having management right along with those uh, newer drivers, and also the use of technology like in-cab telematics. Um, some other risks that trucking companies may face uh, include you know, theft and pilferage. And we've also seen a large number of spoilage claims stemming from mechanical failure or improper loading and poor driving habits, uh, including aggressive driving, uh, can frequently uh, contribute to, to load shifts. We found that a lot of times uh, these causes of loss are rooted in behavior, uh, which is why you know, we recommend as risk control professionals uh, a high-quality pre-employment screening process that is coupled with a driver training program. And to help those trucking companies address the critical issue of driver selection, we're providing resources to help reduce that risk and, uh, and target these leading causes of loss. And, you know, we've heard from many customers that have experienced these incidents and, frankly, many that have struggled for a time. Uh, but once they were able to really execute on their plan and, uh, and experience the impact of those changes, um, they began seeing less roadside citations. They began seeing fewer cargo and vehicle claims. And they had a better driver retention overall. And then all of this really contributed to, to them being more profitable. What are some examples of management controls that have been successful in reducing cargo damage? Yeah, so, you know, we were just talking about um, driver selection, and, and that's really one of the biggest areas of opportunity um, to help prevent loss within transportation. 
So we see more and more carriers that are using uh, driver scorecards. Um, you know, this pulls information from the telematics system and it distinguishes drivers by their behaviors. Um, you know, this allows management to pass along training in a more targeted approach and it can really improve the ways that uh, drivers receive incentives. So I was just talking with a company just last week and they had run into a rash of collisions and um, you know, after a year of utilizing these driver scorecards and these behavior-focused applications, um, they were able to see a reduction in collisions by over 20%. And um, with the a fleet as large as what they had, that was very meaningful to them. So, and if you're part of a carrier that maybe, maybe you're not ready to implement that sort of technology, you know, there are still a lot of meaningful practices that, that you can uh, execute on to have a noticeable impact. So maybe consider you know, verifying you know, past work history, um, background checks, and individual uh, safety performance, uh, and pay close attention to the evaluation of motor vehicle records as you know, this is often an indicator of future performance as well. So once a driver is determined to be qualified, uh, we also recommend you know, making sure the onboarding process and road test are completed as a means to validate that. Uh, but it's not just about onboarding the most qualified person for the job. So, you know, good drivers need support to sustain their good habits too. So, you know, in addition to that training that I mentioned, you know, management should really be looking at uh, ways to, to reinforce those favorable behaviors and also to, to take corrective action for those which maybe aren't so favorable. And, Thank you. You know, new technology. All right. You're very welcome. Thank, thank you, Adam. Where, where do we send listeners to? Is it travelers.com? Uh, travelers.com will get you there. We also have uh, our, our website, riskcontrol.com, which uh, uh, our customers will have access to. And, uh, again, hundreds and hundreds of resources that can, that can help them with that. So, Thanks, Adam. Thanks for joining us on air today. Thank you so much, Adam. All right. Let's, let's talk about population risk control. Let's talk about vaccines. Let's oh, talk yeah. about COVID-19. Let's talk about 21 million healthcare workers, 87 million frontline workers, 100 million people with pre-existing conditions, 53 million over the age of 65, all areas at risk, all areas that I'm sure are cheering this morning about how much closer we may be to coming up with this vaccine. But what are the logistics behind it? What does it mean for all of us? Let's talk to Lori Ann LaRocca right now about what this is uh, what this means, Lori. Big, big deal, big day, right? Hey, Lori. I guess I'll sh show me up in just a second. Lori on the Roker, CNBC senior editor of guests, maritime yeah. trade columnist for Freight Waves. Um, guys in the back, just let me know when she's ready to come up. But we're going to talk about what Pfizer has has done to uh, what, what Pfizer has done. This big announcement they've made about the the COVID nineteen vaccine going through what is it uh, stage three? So they're in stage three. They're okay. not they're not through with stage three. But uh, as far as what I'm reading here, and certainly Lorianne knows better, but is that they're in stage Stage three, and the first uh, um, uh, results are coming out. They don't have all the incredible details, but they were hoping for like a 75% uh, efficacy rate. Uh, and what, they, what they've got is a 90% right now. Uh, and they'll keep going through these trials. But it, so it could be uh, sometime, I think they said, within the third, to, uh, third week to final week of, of November, have enough data to push for an emergency um, uh, approval, 
yeah. uh, to move forward with it, which would be just awesome. You know, in this trial, too, this wasn't small potatoes. The, the analysis evaluated 94 confirmed COVID-19 infections among the trials, 43,538 participants. And I do think we have Lori Ann up right now. So let's go to her. Lori Ann, big day, right? Very big day, guys. It's very exciting. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So there was a big announcement this morning on, on Squawk Box, right? And, and uh, the CEO of Pfizer, he says, I think we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Believe this is likely the most significant medical advance in the last hundred years. If you count the impact this will have in public health and in the global economy. D- do you agree with that? And can you can you break us down what's developed uh, this morning and since then? Well, I mean, pretty much what what we're waiting for the next step is um, them actually filing the the overall report, if you will, on the efficacy of the vaccine. And within that um, within that data, you're also going to have the logistics portion uh, in terms of how they're going to deliver the medicine. Um, and then after that, the FDA uh, will review it and then approve, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. So when, when we get into that, so there's some numbers that are in there, and hopefully you understand these, Lori, because, I, I mean, I don't know what the science is behind this, but they have, like, uh, of the 44,000, uh, just shy of 44,000 in the test, 94 have come down with, with COVID or have contracted COVID or developed COVID, and they have to have 160 or 165 before the test is over or something like that. Do you understand those numbers? Um. I'm not a science reporter uh, from from what I (laughs) know. Yeah, no, me neither. I just hope you had some insight. There's a certain threshold of how many people have the vaccine, be it uh, the the, the real vaccine and then the placebo, and then also how how bad are the side effects, if you get side effects, how long it is. So based on they they have an additional week for them to kind of monitor whatever side effects, if any. And then after that, then they can uh, put the, uh, the vaccine in for uh, emergent, emergency use. And then the FDA will go from there. Okay. Inter- right. Here's the, there's a little insight too on how this would work. It says that the production the protection from COVID nineteen is achieved 28 days after the initial vaccination, right. but you got to take two doses. You have to take two doses of the schedule. So yeah. this is gonna this can at least double the amount of doses we need to uh, inoculate and, and vaccinate the world. Right, right, Lori. So is it was this expected from other vaccines that there would be that you would need two doses? No, uh, Pfizer is the only vaccine that uh, requires two doses and is also uh, in that deep cold threshold uh, that that you guys have probably been talking about from a supply chain standpoint. Um, What happens is, is that after you get your vaccine and then 21 days later, you get the second vaccine. I do have uh, a question into into, uh, Operation Warp Speed as to how are they going to monitor and track to make sure that individuals get the second dose? Because some people might think that they're fine. I mean, you have no idea. You can't read people's minds. But it, ha- it is a definitely a two-dose vaccine. And uh, I'm waiting to hear back from OWS. Now, didn't Pfizer say, though, they were never part of, of Warp Speed? We have never taken any money from the U.S. government or from anyone? Does that mean during the development period, but then during the deployment, they would be putting that out? That, that's a quote from the New York Times. 
Yeah, no, um, as far as Operation Warp Speed, uh, when I spoke with the Major General in charge of the logistics portion, uh, Pfizer is not using McKesson. They have their own logistics supply chain. And as you know, a lot of pharmaceutical companies have their own. And the Major General stressed to me that because of Pfizer's uh, ability to move uh, this deep freeze type of product, and they have the track record for it, it was fine. Uh, they are using UPS and FedEx, which are part of Operation Warp Speed. And more importantly, Operation Warp Speed is indeed monitoring the, the distribution of Pfizer's vaccine. Uh, they have to make sure the efficacy is fine. They're going to be uh, making sure the security for the delivery of the vaccine is there. So uh, they have also been contracted, as you know, where the U.S. purchased, uh, purchased uh, a certain amount of doses and they had the ability to go back. So they might have not have taken money per se, but they are a part of warp speed in some fashion. Yeah, so they're being governed over it. They're not just going out like pirates and doing their their own thing. They've got, and Warp Speed has uh, has reviewed it, and they feel confident in their ability to deliver this, even at the even at the deep freeze uh, levels, is is what you're saying. What about uh, the distribution throughout the states? Are all the states available or have the ability to do this? And isn't there like a, a time frame that once it gets thawed, it has to be distributed? Can you go through some of those logistics? Absolutely. Uh, so the states had deadlines, as you pointed out, to submit to Operation Warp Speed the ability of how they're going to distribute the vaccine. Um, they are still reviewing it. And based on that and with the math, because this is really all math, because there's been a lot of worry about the deep freeze. Like, are there enough deep freeze containers? Um, yeah. what, they're, what they have found out is that, you know, you've got the vaccine for 10 days and then um, and then what they'll do is that they'll figure out how many doses per day the state can distribute. And based on that ability, they'll be able to figure out how many vaccines can get uh, X amount of, uh, you know, vaccines, how many sites can get you know, that. We had Louise DaCosta on at, uh, at a recent event of ours. We were talking about the, at the cold chain summit, we were mm -hmm. talking about the, the airlift and what it meant to distribute this vaccine. And, you know, I'm looking at some numbers here. It's CNBC reports that Pfizer's vaccine requires a storage temperature of minus 94 degrees Fahrenheit. By comparison, Moderna's vaccine can be stored at four degrees Fahrenheit. This made me think of what Louise told us, Michael Vincent, where he said there might not even be enough dry ice to move this stuff. So is that, is that a concern? Are you hearing anything similar to that? I asked Operation uh, Warp Speed's Major General uh, that very question, and he said that Pfizer is making its own dry ice. Uh, Pfizer is the only one that's going to be uh, needed, that vaccines are the only one that's going to need dry ice. So they, he felt comfortable that they will have enough dry ice because the other ones, Moderna, J&J, &J, uh, they can all be distributed like regular vaccines. They've got a longer shelf life and they're not as cold sensitive. Okay, so we've got somewhat of a hopeful timeline for this stuff to go into emergency use, et cetera, by I guess it would be December 1st. So we're, we're calling in the next next few weeks is what they're, where they're talking about this. What about the production of this? Okay, so they have this. How soon can they produce? How much? And, you know, I mean, we need, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of doses and billions to get times two, to get, now, yeah. time, times two. So what's the production mm -hmm. rate? Are they going to be able to get this out so that we're all in great shape by next fall or by, by, by Easter or, or what's the timeline on that? Do you have any insights? 
Yes, well, based on uh, based on the initial data from Operation Warp Speed, uh, they still believe that uh, every American, if they would like a vaccine, uh, should be able to have access to one by June. Um, but when you're looking at the numbers based on how many doses Pfizer is going to be able to make, um, and remember, the United States is in competition with the rest of the world. Um, common sense would kind of fall in here where they're also anticipating other vaccines to kind of fill up. It's not just going to be the basket of, it's going to be a basket of many vaccines, not just the one. But Operation Warp Speed uh, came out and said by, the, by June. Interesting. Wow. Well, the I'm also reading here the company reportedly plans to they're going to put these in suitcase sized boxes from distribution sites in Kalamazoo, Michigan and Pers, Belgium onto as much as what? Two dozen mm -hmm. trucks a day that will allow the transit of roughly seven point six million doses to nearby airports. So it does sound like a, a pretty big lift. Is there a plan to expand the distribution sites beyond just two? Well, they, they have, they, they do have, I mean, as of right now, as you know, they have two, there's probably going to be more. Um, it, there, there's going to be a pecking order as it relates to the vaccine. Um, you know, you're going to have the frontline workers. Um, Operation Warp Speed has, has put it out before, where it's going to be those that, that are more at risk that are going to be getting it. Uh, because it is so temperature sensitive, Operation Warp Speed said they might actually have to be, bring the people to the vaccine versus going to say like your local CVS or Walgreens to go get the shot in the arm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we could be loading up on buses and going to a place, a central centralized regional places, I would imagine something like that, which is kind of odd to think about. What, what if you get COVID on the bus? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> the vaccine doesn't work after the fact, does it? Yeah. I don't think it's a cure. It's not a reversal. It's a, well, you, well yeah. here's an interesting question for you. A week ago on FreightWaves.com, one of our reporters spoke to someone from Pfizer. We published an article that Pfizer will manage the distribution of its COVID-19 vaccine on its own rather than through the U.S. government designated coordinator. You said you've been you've been talking to the military logistics side and i think this when trump first announced that the military would be distributing this a lot of people had questions well what does that mean where does the private sector get involved can you shed some clarity and does a biden administration change those plans for pfizer i i mean uh, president-elect biden uh was out just a few moments ago uh just you know briefly talking about the COVID task force. Uh, I actually just had one of the new task force members on CNBC. It's still too early for them to comment on something like that. Uh, by the time that the president, uh, the Biden administration comes in, it's going to be late January. And so based on this timeline, you might have, you could have this vaccine out on the road before uh, Biden takes office. It really just depends on this timeline, if you will, of, of when it, it is turned around. Uh, but like I said earlier, like Operation Warp Speed said from the get-go, they always knew that they were never going to use McKesson. But it, there is there is a huge army, if you will, of both the private and the public sector that will be moving this vaccine. And a lot of it's going to be coming from Pfizer's own supply chain. But J&J &J and the other pharmaceutical companies, they will be using McKesson, according to Operation Warp Speed.
Yeah, so there'll be multiple out there. I would imagine that's pretty important when you start talking about the logistics needed to move this. And there's questions even being able to, uh, you know, get it down to the local level and make sure it's distributed even in the United States because of the science involved with with this. Like you, you were saying, we might have to move people to the vaccine and not the vaccine to the people in certain instances and regions. What does that mean to the rest of the world where you're probably not getting minus 94 degrees into Bolivia? for example it's going to be a logistical challenge i mean and that's why it's so important when you look at this uh when you look at the box for instance that pfizer has created you know it's multi-layers and again it keeps the doses fresh if you will right at that deep freeze uh, temperature for 10 days so if you do have a good logistical pipeline in place hopefully it's not rotting out on the field at at the airport i think Every country is going to have its own um, its own um, logis- logistical challenges. And remember, Pfizer also does have a plant over in Europe. So I think it's going to be, you know, a very segmented approach. I've spoken with SkyCell, which, as you know, is a huge uh, distributor, if you will, in terms of the containers uh, for pharmaceuticals that head over to Europe uh, and, uh, and uh, South America. I just think that based on the science, we're going to have to wait and then you kind of have to just use your map and go backwards, if you will, of how many doses can go out when. Mm-hmm. Lorian, Operation Warp Speed. So here I'm seeing a note on where they get involved. The federal effort to rush a vaccine to market has promised Pfizer $1.95 billion to deliver 100 million doses to the federal government, which will be given to Americans free of charge. How is that going to work? I, have a, I also have a comment here from Eric Serta. He'll actually be on the show later. He says, I hope my insurance covers the vaccine. So how is this going to work? heard in, in, in initial reports, um, you everyone's going to get a vaccine. Your insurance should cover it. Um, as far as uh, getting payment, you know, when it came to the enormous lift that these pharmaceutical companies have uh, have uh, spent, um, you know, they, there, there will be coverage there. Um, I think what, what happens is that when people hear that Pfizer's not using the government, saying McKesson, as a distributor, they think that they're literally like cut off, like they're separate, but it's not. It really is a whole America approach. And that's what Operation Warp Speed has, uh, has spoken about. Because honestly, if the, logistic, if the logistics part of this mission doesn't fall up to snuff, FDA has the yay or nay on that. And that's mm. the reason why um, the, the major general, they have a copy of that Pfizer box, that, that graphic that we've all seen, they took it apart. They put it back together. They wanted to learn the technology so they can say, okay, this, this looks good. So it, it's definitely, you've got government, private, and public all together working on this. Yeah, so they're not they're not completely separate. They're being governed by it, no. and regulated and and watched over. So there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's 11 vaccines that are in st- uh, stage three, I guess, testing right now is that it, do you have any information or do we know the efficacy rate of some of those other ones? Like the uh, uh, I guess Moderna would be one of the other ones. And there's there's several other ones out there. Are there some that have that broken that 75 percent or even the 50 percent efficacy rate? But this one is just the 90 percent, which is a staggeringly awesome number. It, it is an awesome number. Pfizer is the first one to report. Okay. Um, gotcha. And like I said, this is this is the vaccine of the level of like the chickenpox vaccine, the measles vaccine. 
you know, the vaccines that we've had as, as children, which was just, which is why it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are, are hopeful that the Moderna vaccine, uh, which is very similar to the way that the Pfizer vaccine is made, um, will, uh, uh, will, uh, will also have the same type of, 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 um, success rate, if you will. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, one of the other things we saw here was that airline, right, and cruise company stocks, they jumped in pre-market trading. The, the, the market really liked this idea of what Pfizer was doing. I was actually seeing the Pfizer stock. It was up to like 42. I think it's down to like 39-ish right now. So it's moving up and down. But how big of a deal is this going to be for the airline industry? And I mean more from like the public perception that there's going to be a vaccine. Does, do you think that gets people more excited about flying and in turn helps the air freight industry? I think that uh, the... I think that what you're seeing with the, the bullish pop right now, it's 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 the optimism, if you will, that people might go back into the movie theaters. They might book a cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some people out there that are um, that are still scared, right? I mean, this vaccine went went through literally warp speed, right, uh, to get to where it is uh, today. Um, I think we'll have to see. But the interesting too, uh, you know, while you've got the pop of some companies. Right, the airlines, like you pointed out, and the cruise lines, Zoom, a lot of these home-bound uh, work work from home companies, they they actually are tra- trading down. So I think a lot of this is knee-jerk reaction. But yeah. um, you know, putting on my CNBC hat, when it comes to investing, you're investing over the long term instead of just kind of like jumping in and out, if you will, to try to get those pops of the uh, peaks and valleys. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they're they're trading for long term because I mean, it, just because there's a vaccine coming yeah. and it's an awesome one. I'm not trying to downgrade that. If it's 90 percent, that is going to be tremendous. Do you know if the likelihood of the 90 percent uh, moving forward? Did they give any uh, estimates in there? I know that you know they're saying they don't have all the details, and 90 percent is is tremendous. Like you said, it's like measles or chickenpox. It's it's really great. Do they have any idea of they think it's going to hold up at 90 percent, or they just don't say that because they're scientists? I think they did not say that it would uh, fall below 90%. He actually said on the air that it was a little bit above 90%. So from a hedging perspective, they said 90. Um, I think what they're looking for now is because it's a a COVID, right, because things change. One of the questions that really is an unknown is how long will the vaccine last? You know, will it morph or does it have to change every year like we have like the flu vaccine? You know, we get a different flu vaccine every year. Um, you know, they still have a week to go. And then of course the FDA has to go through all of the findings. So it's gotcha. a good, it's a good first, uh, good first step. Yeah. And it's, it's high, it's highly, it's high above the target. So, uh, scientists were hoping for a coronavirus vaccine that was at least 75% effective. Right. So 90, much better. Fucci himself was say he said that one that is 50 to 60% would at least get us through the hard times now. So again, yeah. coming in at 90, 30, 30 percentage points above where they needed it is uh, is a big win. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it, it's really good. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, the technology and the logistics plans are all in place. Uh, it's good. You know, it, it makes you it makes you uh, it makes you very optimistic. And we and we need that right now. I, I, I highly agree with you. So, hey, Lori, I know you're going to be covering this topic and more. And you're also a Freightways columnist. So where do people go to uh, to follow you and to get more info? Sure. Um, I'm, I, I tweet out, you know, like everybody else, uh, but I do put a lot of information out on, uh, out on uh, LinkedIn and, uh, and of course, on my, uh, in my American Chipper column. Great. Thank you very much for your time today, Lori, and we appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. Thanks, Lorianne. Wow. So, I mean, a big, it's, it's one of those days that we have been waiting for. We've been waiting for something a, a, as optimistic as that. And, and, you know, as you're watching college football over the weekend and, you, yeah. you know, you see each day we keep breaking record of highest infections. In the meantime, you're seeing the Notre Dame uh, fans just storm the field and you're like, we really need this vaccine, man. People are so sick of being oh, contained. We, we have to we need the vaccine because we're not going to be able to keep people from infecting each other. Yeah, and one of the things they were saying, you you mentioned the you know the the cases going up and having these record days, and they even mentioned this in the you know the scientists that it's actually was one of the silver linings was that they could run the test faster with the uptick. Yeah, in in cases actually help them develop it faster. Yeah. So, but but just to be clear, to summarize all of just what went down in that conversation, this is this is optimistic. It's still a huge lift. Um, there's some downsides to this. A, the temperature is going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, only having two distribution centers in the world at the moment is going to be a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the need for double doses going to be a huge challenge. Yet, knowing all of that, they think that they can produce 100 million doses by the end of this year, and they think that they can get frontline workers and those uh, that those groups of people we mentioned who the elderly, pre-existing conditions, frontline workers, healthcare workers, they can maybe get them done, and then they'll get to the rest of us in uh, the third quarter of 2021. So we're not out of the woods. No. We're still about a year away before, you know, we're, we're, we're having at least uh, the availability of this to, to most of us, but that's, that's closer than it was yesterday. Yeah, it absolutely is a lot, a lot closer. And one of the things that was encouraging to me is, is Lorianne said, I forget who she was speaking to, but an official talking about the fact that uh, they, they think that if all goes right, that possibly, you know, by June, you'd be able to, if you wanted a vaccine, get it. Yeah. If, if it gets on a good timeline, which would be just tremendous. Yeah, we got to hope. And hopefully everyone pulls together and uh, this new task force they're putting together works together. You know, if all things stand, there's still some there's still some road to get through is what we're saying. But right now, let's talk to Chris Seeds. He's the sales director at Bridge Logistics, uh, and he's coming in, uh, I think, Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. Right, Chris. Cincinnati, Ohio. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. You a big Bengals fan? Yes. And the best part about that is I didn't have to watch him lose this weekend because of the bye week. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, hey, you know what, too? He's so we all, the have, Buckeyes, all the Buckeyes pull off a of victory, though. Oh, yeah. But, but, yeah. You, OH, brother. but you're a Miami University right. grad. You are a Red Hawk, like my sister, like Lisa Elram, like Travis Ryan, our own Travis Ryan. A lot of uh, we've been having a lot of Miami University grads, and it hasn't been intentional. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. Miami. But uh, my heart's with the Buckeyes. Wow. Oh, jeez. There you go. Coming right at the... He yeah, must have right. been born in Ohio, because when you're born in Ohio, they write it on the birth certificate. Yeah. You have to raise them as an Ohio State fan. Well, well Chris Seeds would know. He's got, more <laughs> chips than, he's got more chips than Frito-Lay. Is that right? Yeah, he used to work at Frito-Lay. What'd you, what'd you learn from, uh, from selling for Frito-Lay, man? Yeah, so even before Frito-Lay, I uh, worked for a great company, the Hillman Group, when I was in high school. Um, that was literally my entry into the logistics. It was uh, sitting in a transparent uh, trailer, UPS trailer, as uh, boxes came down a line, throwing them on uh, the floor as parcels in uh, the summer in 120-degree heat, just baking. And uh, that was my experience coming into the logistics industry. Great, great company, bad job. But, again, that was like the floor level to where I started to understand what it was all about, and I really liked it. Um, but coming into Frito, I uh, interned there for a couple of years, and um, ended up running a route for a little while, saw the retail side, um, and then from there, uh, shortly after, began my journey here at Bridge. 
Well, he has. Have you seen his new series, What Not to Miss with Chris? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like Freight Waves Now, which we've been running for, I don't know, 200, 300 episodes is two years, right? Two, yeah. two years we've been doing Freight Waves Now. Yeah. Chris is doing something similar where he puts on a TV, some sonar charts. He speaks slim, tells you how to inform the market. Actually, we have a clip from What Not to Miss with Chris. Let's check that out, and then we'll be right back with Chris Seeds. Hey everybody, my name is Chris Seeds, and welcome to the first episode of What Not to Miss with Chris. Now more than ever, I feel like good, relevant data is super important. And finding that data and understanding not only the what, but the why behind the what, I feel like is, is really critical and important. So I wanted to take some time each week moving forward to create a video to explain at least one piece of content that might help benefit you. I know it benefits us. We share, I share this content with our sales team on a day-over-day -day basis, um, as well as our, we try to provide as much of this information to our customers as we can to help them make smart decisions as well. That's excellent stuff, Chris. So when you, I, I, and I love the series and I've watched it and I've yeah. watched it myself and, and you can see how you're using it to inform the public, et cetera. But inside Bridge Logistics and you're saying you're giving it to your customers as well, informing them. How are you guys mm -hmm. using it? How are you using it on a daily basis uh, with your sales team and your customers? Yeah, so I think the biggest piece, it's, um, you know, the great thing about Sonar is it's so diverse. There's so much to it. And since I've been using it, the one thing I've really learned is that I got a lot more to learn. And, you know, so for us, it's very, uh, it's very specific to the customer need, but you know, the overall, um, you know, the big picture stuff, the outbound tender rejection, um, you know, the outbound uh, tender volume index, those things on an individual and um, you know, a market breakdown are so critical because it, it, like I said in the video, and I say every time it helps us explain the why behind the what, which is so important. And, you know, especially in today's age where you have customers out there that just have this thirst for knowledge, they want to be able to explain to their customers and to their bosses about why they're seeing these huge jumps in rates or why they're not having inventories come in like they should. And, you know, it's our job. We're an extension to that shipping department and we need to be armed with the resources that is going to inform them and educate them and for us, that's what we do really well. We're able to provide that information and not only just provide it, but, ex but explain it. Because let's be, let's be honest, at the end of the day, um, you know, some of this stuff's not super easy to digest. It takes time to understand it and to um, explain it in, in, in layman's terms and so that it applies to um, everyone. Some little a uh, little brotherly love coming from Tom Curry out of Cincinnati. He said it's uh, it's great to see other Cincy 3PLs grabbing a hold of tech in the space and putting it to work. Yeah, it it, it is cool to see. Um, what else is Bridge Logistics up to? Just give you a chance to uh, to inform us a little bit on what you guys do. Yeah, so we're a uh, like you said we're a 3PL based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Here we've been um, in the game for about 17 years. Um, so for us, as of recently, I think the really big thing, I'm going to go back to that advisory piece, is really making sure that we are, are advising and knowing what's going on on a day-over-day -day basis and getting that information to our customers so that they have an understanding of you know, what to expect, how to forecast uh, for next quarter. That's something that we're really looking at right now um, on a day-over-day -day basis with a lot of our customers, like you know, what's going on uh, later in this year you know, with Shipageddon coming up, you know, if we're not already in it, and then, um, you know, into Q1, because there's, uh, there's so much unknown, and we want to make sure that we try to provide as much of that known information as possible. So that's really what we've been focusing a lot right now, um, is getting that information in our customers' hands so they can make uh, decisions 
that will help them grow um, and, uh, and honestly come out of this in a better place than they were before. Excellent stuff, Chris. All right, we're going to change the change it up a little bit here, yeah, right? It's been too serious. Are we going to go right to the real stupid, or you want me to uh, you want me to give him a warm up? Warm question? him up with something from the darkest recesses of your mind. Okay. All right. Let me think about something here. Okay. So, all right. So, Chris, you're choosing a band name. Doesn't matter what genre it is, but a band name, and then band name has to include some type of pasta. Okay. All right. What are you going to? Yeah. What are you going to call your your name? Your band. Uh, <laughs> that is a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Alfredo Express. I don't know. <laughs> All right, that, yeah, that works. That works. <laughs> I would. I would have gone with. I would have gone with. Send me an angel hair. Ooh, yeah. Like the <laughs> what do you got? The Fusillis. The Fusillis? Yeah. All right, that's yeah. decent. Let's get you one directly from the wheel, though. Maybe this will be even dumber. Uh, we can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. What do we got? Just, just don't ask me to sing. We've been getting this one a lot, and I, like, fortunately, it's in season. This this wheel, by the way, I've noticed it seems like weighted, or maybe it's just the way I. It tends to land on similar questions, and sometimes I have to go off script. But you know what? Since it's near Thanksgiving, I got to ask you: What's worth fighting for on Black Friday? Have you ever gotten a fight for something in Black Friday? Have you waited in line? Is there anything you want this year? Yeah, nothing. 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 If you really want something, go online nowadays. It's not worth going out to the stores. I've done it. I've done it countless times back in the uh, back in the day. Uh, the big thing was TVs. I mean, those things people would fight over them all the time. You'd see people get mowed down for a, a TV, but nothing. There's nothing that I want that bad to go out this year. <laughs> all right, it's not like you, you can't just get like a PlayStation Five online though. You have to get yeah. in line and you have to like fight the zombie hordes. You have, you absolutely have to. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, because you can't. Yeah. All right, no, if you were in a, oh, are you going with another one? Yeah. I, well, I got to ask you a question. Now I'm thinking of the zombie hordes and the fights you could get into Ooh. inside, like a target. Yeah. Okay. What kind of improvised weapon do you think would be the best one you could find in a target? Ooh, something in a target? Yeah, like improvised. You asking both of us? Yes. Yeah, sure, well, sure. Let's let's ask you first. I'm, I mean, my first thought is to immediately go for the clothes racks and uh, clothes clothes racks. Oh, like an entire <laughs> yeah. rack. Well, I mean, there's there's hangers there. Yeah. I mean, I could okay. I could make a shiv out of a out of a hanger pretty quick. I think. All right, I'd put like yeah, a nail pretty... in a board and hit someone with that. Well, yeah, but I mean, where are you going to find a nail in a board in a Target? <laughs> they have a hardware. Yeah, they got a couple different They got a hardware <laughs> section in there. <laughs> sure do. Maybe oh, okay. a chain, a bike chain. <laughs> what, what do you got, Chris? What are you hitting people with? Uh, maybe find a broomstick, break it in half. That usually probably do the job. Broomstick. Yeah, there you oh, go. Yeah, you can take them out like Jeffrey Dahmer got taken. Yeah, out absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, how do people how do people follow you and find out more about Bridge? Yeah, uh, look me up on LinkedIn, Chris Seeds. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. And then um, look us up at bridgelogisticsinc.com. Wow. And Tony Anderson says he would use hairspray and a lighter. Wow. That's yeah. a good one. You could also go to the old candy aisle, Halloween candy, and start, you know, feeding them candy corn. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that'll repel them. But now we got. Hey, thanks again, man. Now, now we got. Now we have a veteran of uh, a, a veteran of logistics and a veteran Please, of the military as well. It is Eric Serta. If you follow us on LinkedIn, if you're in the live shows, you see Eric all the time in there. Eric, thank you so much for being with us today. How's it going, guys? 
Now, Eric sent us some shirts, and I was going to bring it in today, but uh, but my, my 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 wife ended up washing them all, so they were still in the washing machine. <laughs> so they're so, are they pink now? Or what? No, 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 oh, no, okay. no. She just she just washed them because they're okay. so, But Eric, thank you so much for sending us uh, your shirts from from Valor. Before we get into a little bit of business here, I mean, you were a 15 years of service, right? You're a retired combat veteran, and now you're you're solving problems under the stressful situations that is the supply chain. Let us know. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. Uh, in March, right about the time of, of spring break turning into the pandemic, my uh, best friend called me, said, hey, man, I know you just uh, you've been retired. I've been I was playing video games and taking naps as my profession. And I like that profession. And I want you to, to want you to be my my second in charge. So uh, you don't tell you don't tell somebody that you've been friends with since you were, you know, eight years old. No, uh, especially he, he was in the Marine Corps with me and. Uh, now that that's our executive suite is three Marines. Uh, we all went to, ended up in boot camp together, and uh, we've known each other since we were children. So it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. Now, Eric, I got now that you said that. If so, you are a video game player. So here's one for you. If you were killed in a video game, what loot would you drop? <laughs> oh, man, probably a vest. I'd <laughs> Just say a like, vest? like an armored vest, maybe. <laughs> Wow. So, like, if you died and all your goods yeah. just come out of you, is yeah. that what well, it is? Mine like would just you're... be like my cell phone and my keys right now. <laughs> <laughs> Guitar picks would fall out of my pocket, I think. Something like that. Hey, Maybe Eric. Right now, would be like my Apple pin. So, that's probably what I'd drop. Right on. Eric, hey, first of all, thank you for your service, my friend. Appreciate that very, very much and, and, and sincerely. What are the traits? I mean, you've got the military veterans. You've got your C-suite there is, are all military veterans. What are the things that you carry over from your military past that bring you into the business world that really set you apart? I think uh, being calm in stressful situations, um, it's, it's something that, that we pride ourselves on. Um, really, really uh, going overboard with our customer service and communications. Communications key in the military. Uh, it's usually the first thing your, your enemy is going to go after. So we try to make sure we keep our communication lines open as open as possible. Uh, if, you're, if we're running freight for you, you're, we're just going to keep contacting you until you tell us, okay, that's enough. Just let us know when it's delivered uh, because we're just going to keep contacting you at every point and every time anything changes. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to keep in contact than it is to call and try to explain something later. Eric, how's, uh, how's business been this year for you guys? How you been uh, navigating this kind of wild year? I mean, we started, uh, we started in March, so, uh, everything's been, uh, good for us. It was a lot better than what we thought. We're actually, uh, building SOPs of, of things that we didn't think we'd need. Uh, who the, wait, hold on, Eric. Who starts a logistics company in March during the middle of the pandemic when the stock market was like at the bottom? Marines, this gentleman right Marines, here. Marines <laughs> do. <laughs> We're going in. <laughs> and getting called scum and everything. I mean, we we've been through it all, and so I mean, we're hoping once that uh that the supply chain index starts to head back towards the center, if it'll stay there for a little while, we you know we'll have our stuff together by then. So that's yeah, excellent. It's growing. What's the, uh, you, you said you've been in combat. What's the hairiest situation you've been in when you were in combat? Uh, just, I, you know, I really don't like to talk about it much, oh, yeah. but I mean, we, we, we were in transportation, so we did a lot of driving in Eastern Baghdad, uh, the Sunni Triangle, Sadr City, um, mm. and my unit, my unit was in charge of recovering uh, vehicles that had been blown up. So 
um, we would we'd go out there to, to recover vehicles in the, they'd still be in the middle of a firefight. Uh, maybe there'd still be veterans trapped in, you know, uh, military members trapped in the vehicle. And we, you know, we were tasked with, with if it was on fire, turning the fire out, uh, trying to, to get the vehicle or get the, get the personnel out of the vehicle and then get the vehicle out of the, out of there and back to our location, uh, where we sanitized the vehicle and, and took care of it. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's pretty hairy. Like we, we wouldn't even, I mean, we'd had our weapons with us, but uh, I mean, we were logistical people and we were there to recover the vehicle. So if it came down to us firing our weapon, then there's there a lot of stuff that had gone wrong by then. Wow. wow. You know, hey, a little, a little for that too. I mean, that Amen, bravery is astounding, man. I mean, you know, God, God bless you for doing that. Absolutely. Not, not everyone is built that way. No, they certainly aren't. But Eric, taking it back to your logistics company, uh, Valor, uh, it, 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 or um, what is it, RZL Logistics? Is that right? RZL Logistics. RZL Logistics. Uh, we like Valor. We kind of, I guess, we signed up with the IRS and everybody else as RZL Logistics. Right. So you're D. Yeah, you're. Valor. Got you. So it's d- doing business as or DBA Valor. So at, yes, at Valor, starting up, you started up in the middle of a pandemic, et cetera. You're also starting up in the middle of an acceleration of technology in this space. How has that been kind of getting up to speed and, and, and utilizing technology and incorporating that into your startup business? Well, uh, one of the biggest things for us is that, you know, because we're so small, we don't, we, we, can see where technology could help us in the long run, but we're just quite not quite big enough uh, to pay for some of these packages. I mean, when you got to pay, you know, six hundred dollars a month, and you only shipping maybe, you know, like forty shipments a month, it's not really worth it. We do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the major companies don't do business with us because we're so new. So we do a lot of phone calls. I mean, uh, mostly everything is is a personal touch, and we we are looking into the future of of tech, and we kind of have lined up what we're going to need as we start to grow. But currently, it's everything is just old school, uh, not quite as as old as fax machines, but you know, emails, text, and phone calls. But basically, how we handle everything with a uh, real simple TMS system, and uh, that's where we're sticking to for now. Wow, and you know Eric is a hustler too. I saw yeah. him on. He's even he's even making a uh, a t-shirt for the freight Bambino. Bambino was supposed to be on today too. He got bumped for vaccine, but we'll have him on again oh, okay. soon. Right. But Eric, it's time for me to spin the wheel and make the deal. So let's see what you land on. <laughs> what do we got for you? I thought you already. Oh, asked here's one for you, <laughs> and you're gonna love this one. Who would you like to fight the octagon? Oh, you know I thought about this before, and uh, it's not a knock on. I mean, it's actually a ch- I think it would be a good challenge. It would be Anthony Smith. I know he oh. played uh, played football in college. I think he might be <laughs> one of the most athletic guys you guys have there. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's no good. I mean I wouldn't want to fight somebody who who I could you know pretty easily handle. Uh, so I mean I'd want a challenge. I'd want to get beat up and pushed to my limits. And I think if if anybody would do it there, you know you can kind of see his guns in his in his shirt every now and then. And uh, and I just think he might be a really big challenge for me. Let me, right. let me tell you, it'd be fight. It'd be like fighting Spider-Man. I'll give you an inside hint. There isn't an ounce of fat on him, and he's got yeah. like a hundred and forty-seven inch vertical leap. Yeah, but see, my nickname <laughs> for him. But my nickname for him is Popcorn Muscles. No, I'm just kidding. He's actually got the strength. He can do the lift. Hey, Eric. Eric, we're, we're about out of time. But where do people go to learn more information about Valor? Oh man, uh, we're on LinkedIn. Um, it's pretty much where you can find find any, any anything on us. Uh, RZL Logistics on Twitter uh, and 
man, that's really it. I mean, we have a website, but we're not really using it because, yeah. like I said, I mean, we're, we're dealing with owner-operators, mostly trucking companies with less than, you know, three trucks. So, yeah, just contact me on LinkedIn. And also the the, the T-shirt printing company is BZO Marketing. Uh, Thanks, Eric. And that's on Twitter also. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for your time today. A little cavalry oh, for your thanks, service and for all that. It was an honor. Thank you. Hey, for those of you out there, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on Freightwaves TV, you could rewatch. Go to live.freightwaves.com. You can rewatch our last uh, our last yeah. two events. We had the Freight Tech Venture Summit. We had Freightwaves Live at home. So go to live.freightwaves.com during the week. You can check that out. We'll be uploading to Freightcast all the audio from uh, from those events as well throughout the month. About you know, put about three a day. There's only so many you can inundate people with. <laughs> yeah, go to Freightcast true. for every single Freightwaves podcast, or simply look up what the truck on your favorite podcast player if you want us you can find me on twitter at timothy dooner that is d or him at vincent the dude we're also on linkedin keep the conversation going hey uh hopefully this vaccine works out man amen yeah peace and love everybody let's peace and love in america man let's bring it together let's bring it home let's end this year as strong as we know we can as americans hell yeah yeah